Hey, Elizabeth, are you going to get that? Nope. I'm trying to cut down on my cell phone use. My grandma told me that cell phones cause brain cancer. Whoa. There's no consistent link between cell phone use and brain cancer. I was just reading about some researchers at Oxford who showed that there was no connection. No way. What about hair dyes? My grandma says those cause brain cancer too. Well, it's not really clear if hair dyes cause brain cancer. But if you only use them once in a while, you'll probably be all right. Okay, but what if I have relatives with brain cancer? Would I have a higher chance of getting it then? Genetics are involved in brain cancer, but they don't tell the whole story. With glioblastoma, one of the most aggressive forms of brain cancer, a lot of patients don't have any known genetic risk factors. Hmm. Well, while we're on the subject, what are all the ways that you can treat brain cancer? I know there's radiation and surgery, but those sound scary. I read in a magazine that a keto or low-carb diet can cure brain cancer. Maybe patients should try that. That's interesting. I think that probably comes from the idea that tumors need sugar to grow, so we should be able to kill them by starving them out, quote-unquote. But cutting back on sugar, while it's a healthy choice overall, I don't think it'll cure brain cancer. So you're saying we're doomed? Of course not. I'm your host, Leo. And I'm joined by my co-host today, Elizabeth. In this podcast, we'll briefly uncover what causes gliomas and how we might be able to treat them. But before we get into that, we first need to understand what gliomas actually are. For that, I'll hand things off to Elizabeth. Thanks, Leo. Gliomas are tumors of gliocells in the brain or spinal cord. The normal function of gliocells is to support neurons. They insulate neurons and bring them nutrients. When a gliocell is mutated in some way, it can lead to abnormal growth or cancer. The glial cell starts to get bigger and divides, forming a tumor after many rounds of division. Sometimes, the glioma causes pressure inside the skull. This pressure can then cause headaches and changes in cognition. Yeah, I've heard of a lot of people getting headaches after having brain cancer. I even read that in ancient times, people would relieve intracranial pressure by drilling a hole in the skull. This was called trephination. Ugh, that sounds very painful. And kind of counterintuitive, right? Mm-hmm. More modern treatments involve surgery or radiation, but they're still very invasive and can be dangerous. Clearly, we need to find better treatments. But what causes the glial cell to start dividing uncontrollably? And how does it maintain that growth? That's a good question. To answer it, we'll need to understand the meaning of the genome and the epigenome first. The genome refers to all of an organism's genes. Genes are segments of DNA that contain cellular information. This information can contain the instructions for making cellular machinery, like proteins. The genome contains a lot of genes, over 25,000. 
but there are trillions of cells in the human body. And as you can imagine, not all of them are the same. This is because some cells use different genes than other cells. And this results in the different appearances between cells, like the difference between a skin cell and a muscle cell. But there must be some ways to control how cells use different genes. This is one of the jobs of the epigenome. And to answer how that works, I'll hand things off to Elizabeth. The epigenome refers to the information stored outside of DNA that tells the cell which genes should be turned on and under which conditions. Epigenetic marks are made directly on DNA, or DNA packaging proteins, known as histones. Histones can be marked to make it easier or harder for cellular machinery to access a gene and turn it on. Think of the histone mark like the conductor of an orchestra. They tell the orchestra which song to play and how fast or slow. In this way, different histone marks can make a cell turn on different genes. There are a few different ways that histones can be marked. These include methylation and acetylation. Histone marks can either activate or silence a gene, depending on the location and type of mark. This is similar to how a conductor can tell an orchestra to play quietly or loudly throughout the course of a song. When a silencing mark is placed on the histone, less of the gene product is made, similar to how the conductor tells the orchestra to play quietly or to stop playing music. On the other hand, when an activating mark is placed on the histone, more gene product is made, similar to how the conductor tells the orchestra to start playing music or to play loudly. Most importantly, the conductor doesn't change how the song is written, but rather how it's performed, just as histone marks don't change the information actually encoded in genes. So it sounds like there are a lot of histone marks, but what maintains those histone marks? Histone marks are maintained by enzymes, some of the cell's molecular machines. Mutations in enzymes can lead to inappropriate histone marks. These can contribute to the inappropriate silencing or activation of important genes. When these genes are misregulated, the cell may begin to behave in abnormal ways and eventually become a tumor and a threat to the organism. In other words, cancer. Correct. So the epigenome can cause cancer. But the epigenome only causes cancer when it gets misregulated? That's right. Elizabeth, you mentioned there are a few genes that get misregulated in cancer. Do you know of any genes in the epigenome that are involved in gliomas? Yeah. One is called EZH2, which makes a protein that silences other genes by methylating histones. One research team was researching EZH2 and found that in gliomas, Cellular levels of EZH2 are increased, which leads to inappropriate growth and division. They also found that cancer patients with increased EZH2 don't live as long. But what exactly does EZH2 do? How does it actually help cancer? You know, this is a protein that helps regular cells throughout their lifespan by keeping other genes in balance. How is it when there's too much of this protein, the cancer gets worse? A separate research team in Beijing, China, was trying to answer this question. They discovered that EZH2 methylates a protein that helps tumors survive and grow bigger by creating special cancer cells that can give rise to more cancer cells. Even after treatment like surgery, some of these special cancer cells may remain and give rise to another tumor. They're saying that EZH2 basically turns the cancer 
into the cellular version of a rabbit. Always procreating. I guess it's too bad that cancer isn't as cute or as cuddly as a little bunny, huh? Well, the researchers didn't show if EZH2 is a direct cause of this cancer. We only know that EZH2 is part of the process, so we need more research to understand this process completely. I was doing a little reading these past couple of days, and I saw that there are some emerging treatments that target another group of epigenome regulators called histone deacetylases, or HDACs. They're these proteins that make it harder for cells to access genes and turn them on. They can be inhibited by drugs, which could stop genes from getting turned off when they should be on. The drugs are called HDAC inhibitors. There are potential cancer treatments because in cancer, there are so many genes that get turned off when they should be on. Elizabeth, have you heard anything about these? Yeah, researchers in Germany were looking at an HDAC inhibitor that specifically affects tumor cells. This is important because you don't want to mess up the epigenome in healthy brain cells. The HDAC inhibitor that the researchers were studying led to fewer glutamate transporters in tumor cells. They wanted to reduce the number of transporters because more transporters are associated with greater drug resistance. They couldn't reduce the number of transporters in all brain cells, though, as glutamate transport is important for a lot of things in the brain. If they prevented glutamate transport in healthy brain cells, too, it would lead to widespread issues. Fortunately, the researchers' epigenetic-based approach gave them more precision to target the cancer. I can see why shutting down glutamate transporters would be a bad idea. You wouldn't exactly want to get treatment for brain cancer and then come out afterwards with brain damage. It sounds like using epigenetics was a good move in this case. Exactly. We don't know the whole story, though. We might expect to see an increase in glutamate transporters as HDAC inhibitors make it easier to make a gene. Yet, we see the opposite, a decrease in transporters. So we don't have the whole story. What do you think caused that? Maybe the HDAC inhibitor increased levels of another unknown protein, which then caused fewer transporters to be made. This protein could be another drug target if it's identified. I see. Wow. There's still so much we don't know. It's like every time we find something out, we open up another question. I mean, I'm sure that there are other opportunities just like this to discover new treatments for glioma. And it's not just doctors and researchers who should care about gliomas and epigenetics. These gliomas are relevant to the general public too. I think it's important to raise awareness for this issue and bring light to the scientific exploration that's necessary to improve treatments and save lives. I agree. Cancer is a leading cause of death around the world, and brain cancer is a leading cause of childhood death in the United States. And in general, all modern medical treatments are discovered through research. So research isn't just about discovery, it also improves the way we help patients. Right. And medicine isn't just a one-size-fits-all. You know, epigenetics can help us make medical treatments more individualized. As we gain a greater understanding of the mechanisms underlying brain cancer, we might be able to personalize care so that each patient can receive a treatment that is specific for their epigenome. 
patients often have to try, you know, several treatment options before they find one that works for them. But if we can create personalized treatments using epigenetics in the first place, we can save patients from unnecessary risks and even prevent relapse. As long as research continues, there's definitely hope. So spread the word. Researchers work hard on finding cures every day. Epigenetics might seem like a funny spin on the word genetics, but it's a line of research that can help us understand cancer and close in on a cure. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of NeuroEpic. If you want to hear more podcasts about medicine, check out podcast number 18, The Future of Personalized Medicine.